Joseph V. Scaris here, Nationwide Direct Private Lender, founder of the Creative Birth Strategies Podcast. I'm here to interview and discuss property management today with two great people in the local market. I'm here with Lisa Tertalia and Stephen Meixner from Gem Property Management. Guys, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having us. Excellent. So we're going to dive into property management and, and really tie that into real estate. Like, what, what, what is the importance to it? What do you bring to it? Why you bring property management to your market? So let's start and, and get a little resume on both of you so we can get right to the root of our discussion today. Some background on you, Lisa, and um, you know, in the real estate space, mm-hmm. where you kind of started from, where you went to, and then we'll come to Steve and try to see where it all ties in together. Gotcha. Yeah, I've been licensed since 2006. Um, in two, right at the end of the good market, um, and then in 2008, I met Steve and his family. I sold uh, for I sold new construction, and uh, left the once the. Um, builder was finished with their projects, mm-hmm. um, the family kept with me as their realtor and I started doing their new builds, um, their flips, and their buy and hold properties. So that's been with the family for about 15, 16 years. That's, that's a relationship. That's mm-hmm. great. And Steve, a little background yeah. on yourself? Uh, my background is I grew up in Montgomery County, uh, third generation from a construction family. Um, my family kind of oversees and manages over 500 million worth of real estate, and I grew up in that. I remember when I was a little kid, uh, my first job was on a framing crew, and then I worked my way up. Um, and I've been in it ever since. Okay. Yeah. So, property management, it's not for everybody, right? You know, and it takes a certain type of uh, mindset on a day in a day basis. So. How did property management find you, Lisa? And then we'll come back to Steve on that. Yeah. Um, when when the family, my partners, um, they had they had a property management company, and after several months, they realized that they were not doing a great job. And we figured by seeing what they did wrong, we could do things the right way. So we started our our own property management company. Steve, how did you kind of get entangled with this, you know, with your type of background, which yeah. is primarily construction and development? Construction, development, and management. My uh, family's management company, again, third generation. I grew up with all of it from the office on. Um, my family only manages their own assets. <laughs> and being as a third generation, I wanted to go out and create something of my own. Um, that's when me, Lisa, and some of my other family members broke out and started GEM. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. So, in your mindset, Lisa, what do you think property management really is to the client today? And, like, and for you as well, to facilitate for the client? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, d- we handle the day-to-day tasks of the, for the, on behalf of the landlord. Um, we do things like rent collection, advertising vacancies, um, the um, repairs and maintenance, all of that stuff. It frees up the landlord to go out and search for other properties instead of having to deal with the tedious day-to-day stuff, the day-to-day operations. So do you feel it's 100% hands-off for the, the, the landlord? They have to, They should still have some type of hand-on-the-heat type of mentality to, mm-hmm. to ma- working with a management company. Is that your thoughts to it? Correct, yeah. Uh, a good property management manager will offer the landlord the, um, like kind of like a pick-and-choose if you want um, 
if you would want your property management company to just collect rents and advertise vacancies and you have your own contractors to handle the um, maintenance and the repairs and the middle of the night phone calls, cool. Um, otherwise, we can handle everything. We can do asset management with you know, the financial side of it, mm -hmm. preparing financial reports, or you know they can do that on their own. So it sounds like there's layers. You know, you can just peel the onion. There's definitely layers. And that's and what I it think, means to you. I think the real estate investor gets to delegate what they want out of a management company. And that's the whole point. To kind of determine what they can handle themselves personally, what their future is going to look like, mm -hmm. and how a management company can help them. Yeah, I, I think with your background, comparatively to Lisa's, you're going to bring that construction facilities management. Construction, to bring it, the contractors together. And give that honest, hey, listen, this is what it's going to cost to address this issue. Your, your tenant was kind enough not to tell you about that leaky foundation, and now we have yeah. an issue here that's going to cost X dollars. Mm -hmm. how, do you want to, how do you want us to go forward on this? So is that where you kind of jump in, in those type of discussions where Lisa kind of almost hands off that football to you and say, hey, Here's Steve's expertise. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, handling the management side of it, the actual contracting and repairs and all that is what I do. Mm -hmm. uh, she's more on the leasing department, the preparing the leases, preparing advertising leases, yeah. vacancies, um, the financial stuff. Yep. So, are you also trying to understand? Lisa, I'm going to come back to this, and this question that we didn't think about is how you're seeing affordable housing comparatively to the market rent. Are you having that type of frank discussion with that landlord and saying, "Listen, do you need you know you need to look at both? Mm -hmm. Here are the pros and the cons. Here's the type of deferred maintenance that you can look at on either one, or also look at what type of professional tenant you might attract if you go with the market in lieu of affordable housing. Have you had that type of discussion, or is that something that you've been at least exposed to yes, in the property definitely. management? Yes, We um, we will advise the landlord. Um, hey, you know, this is what the market rent is. If you do X, Y, and Z repairs, you could collect a couple hundred dollars more per month and it'll make your property that much more valuable if you decide to dispose of it down the road at some point. So, you've been involved with asset management for, from a family office perspective, I'll call it that. Absolutely. So, now that we, you've, you've turned the light on, you know, to property management. What are some of the differences? Is it uh, is it less personal? Is it more personal? You know, I'll go with you, Lisa. First, you know, you you were helping facilitate. You were facilitating up to 500 doors at any given time for a family office. Now you're getting a little more customized. Where where where, where do you see the differences in that? Between the asset management Correct. and the property management. Asset management is uh, more of a financial uh, analysis of the property itself. Um, Advising the landlord uh, as far as what their property could be worth, that they made some upgrades um, and things like that, and basically just showing them um, what their property could be worth down the road. Steve, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, the difference. So yeah, like she said, financially, asset management is going to handle and help the landlord determine whether they should keep a property, sell a property, whether they should maintenance, increase rent roll, stuff like that. They're going to get their profit loss statements and their growth analysis. And management itself is more on the side of dealing with tenants, maintenance of the actual property, doing the actual work on grounds instead of off grounds. So from a lending perspective, since I'm a lender, you know, I underwrite the whole file from the beginning of the actual address down to 
bedroom size, looking at the rental market rents, looking at taxes and insurance, looking at the deferred maintenance vacancy, um, property management fee. And then I look at the profitability. You know, like I see what those lines look like at the end. Do you think property management should be more involved to make sure that the client is aware of their profitability or, their, their, or, or the lack of profitability and why? Um, I'd love to under, get a little better understanding. Like when you get that, that new account on, they're losing money. Maybe. Yeah. You know? Okay. You, you need to kind of like help people understand what they, what they have in front of them. What do you think is going to separate you from a lot of these other management companies when it comes to that? You know, like, are you guys going to do some more physical underwriting to the file and say, hey, listen, you know, you're not profitable right now. This is what we're going to need to do. I mean, what, what, what strategies have you thought about, especially in the market you're in, you're not in that King of Prussia area. Everybody's kind of moving away from the urban cities, right? They're going into the more suburbs mm -hmm. for safety, crime, education, name it, convenience, uh, micro working from home. So some thoughts from you, Lisa, on having that discussion with somebody that might, you might be taking over somebody's account and say, hey. Right, if they're losing money. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of different reasons for why a landlord would, either their rents are too high and they're not attracting, um, either their rents are too high and they're, they had too many vacancies because of their, their, um, their rent price, or um, it could just be that it's in a bad area. At any point, whatever the reason is, you need to have a conversation with that landlord and explain to them, you know, this is what we need to do um, in order to increase your profitability. And Steve, have you had, you know, coming from the family office perspective, have yep. you had those discussions and how you're gonna, you're gonna kind of transfer that over into in-gen property management? So some thoughts to that. Have you, have you had some losers in the portfolio? Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but mainly with my family, they own their own assets, so there's no communications between owners of property and management company. Uh, the biggest thing is they kind of created a cycle for buildings, whether it's five to ten years on a cycle to raise rent or to even sell and get rid of a property. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a little different when you're handling other people's properties. Mm -hmm. And like Lisa said, it all has to do with three different reasons, whether rent roll is too high or too low, mm -hmm. whether the, the maintenance of the property is unlivable, it needs to be renovated, or whether the area that people just doesn't attract to. And that's what we're going to help people get through. So we have the newer investor that saw HGTV just yesterday flip that house or mm -hmm. whatever the circumstances are. Then you have the savvy investor owns five to 10 properties, been self-managing, and you got the, the individual that has 50 doors. They're a whale, okay? They, you know. So how are, is someone like yourselves having those discussions, how to, get, how to expand in the investing space or starting in the, in the investing space? What's the standard conversation you're having, the initial uh, start to talking with the investor? Yeah, I think the initial conversation would be what is the outcome? What does your future look like? What are you trying to establish with getting into real estate itself? Mm -hmm. um, is it more short term or is it long term? You want to pass it down to the next of kin. Um, so that would determine whether you're going to start flipping properties or even invest somewhere totally different or start actually buying real estate in multifamily or whatever because that consumes a lot of cost even if you can find companies that will help. Whether it's repair, maintenance or whatever, the first couple years are going to be up and down. 
I'm going to stay with you on that question. Mm -hmm. Where are you seeing more difficulty in getting qualified labor to take care of the simplistic of work that needs to be done? You know, the button-up person, the, the maintenance individual to get them to call, you know, send them out to take take on a call. Are you are you seeing still issues of labor or qualified that, labor for that matter? That's a hit or miss. So when you're looking for employees, in my standpoint, then yes, we're having a hard time finding employment. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people now are trying to be self-employed. There's a lot of contractors out there. Contractors are making a lot of money mm -hmm. and that also helps. So you just got to change the way you look at it. Hire more contractors outside instead of trying to build up an employment status mm -hmm. company. Your thoughts, Lisa? I agree completely. I mean, it's, it's you know, you, you hear about people, oh, I want to redo my kitchen. I called five contractors and nobody got back to me with a quote. Like that's you're always going to have that. Once you build your team, which is what we're in the process of building a great team of contractors, um, it should all be seamless. See, my thought, go to Home Depot at 6 o'clock in the morning, grab a nice big cup of coffee, yep. go with your set of business court cards. Anybody that's loading lumber, buy them a cup of coffee, buy them a sandwich at the local, because there's always a sandwich shop that's open at the Home Depot. You get them mm -hmm. a sandwich or something like that. We'll give some free coffee out to everybody when they come to the protest, cut a deal with the protest, see who's active. You know what I mean? Get their cards. It's a numbers game. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's not a bad option. It's you know, option. If somebody's loading lumber, they're going somewhere to do some work. Mm -hmm. yep. Or they're loading sheetrock, they're loading windows or doors, or installing something for somebody. So they, they're looking for that next job. But that's just a thought that I've always have done when I was very active in the, the rehabbing space. Mm -hmm. So how are you seeing the real estate investor market you know, in your area where you're managing right now? Are you seeing growth? Are you seeing opportunity? I mean, that whole King of Prussia corridor is just booming with, with development right now in the residential space. So where are, you, where are you seeing where gem property management can come involved and, and grow with someone or some people, you know, different investors? Um, I, th I feel that the next boom is rental properties. People can't afford their own properties, they're working in nine to five, they're, they're going to start renting more. Um, and that's great for us and management companies, um, but to get into the market uneducated as a small time real estate investor, I, I feel like there's a bubble happening between people watching YouTube videos or TikToks thinking they can use their twenty, fifty thousand dollars savings, buy a multifamily home, manage it themselves, and keep a nine to five. I think they're all almost gonna belly out and we're gonna have a huge market of these multifamily properties that need to be managed, that need to be bought, and I think that's gonna be the future of 2024, 2025. I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that there we're, we're gonna have a great spring market. I yes. agree this year, but it's gonna be an investor market. It's gonna be I mean I just the homeowner sentiment is at an all time high and affordability is at a whole all time low. Mm -hmm. So from a real estate agent perspective, and I'm gonna go ask the real estate hat to go on, mm -hmm. Lisa, your thoughts, you know, the type of inquiries you're getting, like what Steve's saying, from an investor perspective, are you getting, is the newer investor at least somewhat educated in understanding what they need to do to identify a yeah. piece of real estate or is it a little well, still molding clay? Yeah, like Steve said, I mean, there's so many podcasts out there about the 1% rule, the BRRR, you know, all of that. So people watch these and then they think, oh, I can do that. Um, <clears throat> the, I think that people, should, anybody thinking about investing should shop around for a property management company first in order for, we, we guide our investors and say, hey, you know, let me run the numbers for you and see if this even makes sense. You know, they'll, a 
you know, if the numbers don't make sense, then it's not a, it not, wouldn't be a good investment for them. And that's where we would come in and help them decide whether it is a good option before they even make an offer and, and purchase it. I, I try to do the same thing, just to say, hey, listen, these numbers don't work the way you're looking at it. So no. this have, you know, these are conversations I have almost every 15 minutes or every day mm. with a different client. So this comes down to the last question, and it's kind of straightforward. What is your why, you know, in the, in the business? You know, why are you doing this? Why are you doing the property management space instead of just playing retail, you know, sales? Mm -hmm. I'll ask you, and then I'll ask you a little back you know, what yeah. your why is. We, I, we just want to, we want to help landlords. We want to give them peace of mind. Um, it's important that they, um, that they have that extra time to search for more properties if in fact they want to do that, build their portfolio. Um, so we're, we're just trying to make life simpler for them by, by handling this. Steve, what's your why? I grew up in it. I love every moment of it. Any part of real estate I, I enjoy. Um, and I know, as you know, that real estate, even though it's an up and down market, it is one of the number one gross for financial wealth. Whether it's real estate or business acquisitions, every billionaire is in it, every million, top millionaire is, and it's the best way to grow wealth. Well, I feel the passion between the two of you on this, and you know, I think that passion will translate into satisfied clients. Let's get a little, how do we contact you? Best way to contact you, and then we'll get your information as well for our listeners. Okay. Um, email. Phone email, phone number, whatever is best. Okay. Um, my name's Lisa Tartaglia, uh, Silverstone Real Estate. I'm the owner and the broker. Um, my email is lisabtartaglia at gmail.com and phone number 484-390-2958. Steve? Uh, my name is Steven Meixner from Gem Management. Um, I am one of the partners uh, and you can contact me from gemmg.com or my phone number 484-689-9007. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram using my name or Gem Management, Gem Real Estate Management. Uh, yeah. Well, I want to thank you too for coming down here to our offices here in South Philadelphia to have this discussion. You know, my name is Joe Scaris, your host and founder of the Creative Birth Strategies Podcast. And please listen in on Apple and Spotify. We'll be here. This is episode number eight. Look forward for you to listen. And there's, of course, any questions, please let us know. And have a great day. Thank you.